From ZLDR News, this is Too Long Didn't Read. This podcast is made possible by our backers over on Patreon. Not only does their support make it possible for this show to exist, but we also give them an exclusive bonus section of the podcast every week. If you want to check out what you can get in return for supporting us on Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash TLDR news. Oh, also one other thing, we've just started recording the podcasts too, so if you want to see the video version, then head over to the YouTube channel. That's TLDR Podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Too Long Didn't Read. I'm Jack, and joining me today is Zach. Hello. Bad timing with you. Yeah, there. I know, that was terrible timing. Uh, and Ben. Hello. Uh, we've got a bunch of topics to discuss this week. We're going to try and be a bit more structured with the podcast from now on. Uh, slight new format. We'll be interested in what you think of it. Um, but where should we start? Anyone got a strong opinion of where you want to start? What do you think is the most important thing? What you... There's a lot of important yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Should we start with Corona? corona I feel like it's hard, like... it's hard yeah. to argue that Corona isn't the most important thing. Just how dangerous is the coronavirus? Well, we've got a clear strategy for dealing with coronavirus. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. But we're very, very ready for this, for anything, whether it's going to be a uh, breakout of larger proportions or whether or not we're, uh, you know, we're at that very low level. Anyone got any amazingly, like, insightful thoughts about coronavirus? i got some stats. If we want yeah, to start some yeah stats, stats is always stats. a good start. Let's do that. Yeah. So looking at the total cases so far, um, we've been talking quite a lot about the death rate and the fact the death rate has been floating around 2-3%, depending on what you're counting. Yeah. Um, so generally, people have been saying that means that it's not that serious for most people. Um, but looking at a kind of deeper breakdown, 80% of cases so far have been mild. Um, and those are people who need to be persuaded to stay home. Uh, they just need to self-quarantine. Yeah. They'll probably be fine. 15% require hospital treatment of some kind. And 5% are the people who require intensive care. And obviously of that 5%, about half will uh, die from it. Yeah. So that's kind of the breakdown at the moment that still the vast majority of cases are relatively mild and and that's supposed to be why it's so hard to contain isn't it exactly yeah. because if it was something like ebola um where the you're not death going rate, to test goes with ebola exactly you'd know you'd have it and you wouldn't be spreading it mm. and then that five percent of people who are more vulnerable the older people the people with uh, ongoing issues are the people who are going to suffer more in this yeah i got more stats you've got more if you're stats. done i've got more stats you've got we got any, like personal anecdote yeah, I'm, I'm meant Go to be on. going Go to Italy on. in a few months. So I was I, going, I'm doing a European road trip. I was going to be, well, I was meant to be doing a European road oh, trip course, in Italy. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be sort of northern Italy that we were looking at going to. So we were meant to be booking. We've delayed booking it for, for this exact reason. Um, oh, I actually had the exact same thing. I, I, bu- I booked flights to Rome a couple of days before a coronavirus hit Italy. Really? I oh, been, right. Oh, they're so cheap now. They're so cheap. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm, when are you yeah. going? June. I mean, you're probably... A- Okay. Yeah, I'll be that fine. That feels far enough oh, away. That is technically someone's birthday present, so Oh <laughs> just beep out the word uh, of the of the place. Oh, I fuck, mean you still ruined ruined it. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to cut that out entirely. <laughs> no, no. It's do fine. they not listen? Uh I hope they do listen. <laughs> okay, okay. Well it's a good I mean, it's a good birthday present. Anyway, Ben, you keep one. talking. I think leave it in, they won't listen. Damning indictment of our listenership. Ben? Yes, sorry. Uh, wait, what do you want me to talk about? Me personally or just some I generic know. stuff? Yeah, go for it, go for it. So yeah, where are you going in Italy? I saw, a, I saw an article this morning that was saying that obviously it's been, um, it's been <laughs> increased enough. to uh, highly <laughs> likely in the UK. So it's, they've said that widespread transmission of it's highly likely now. 
um, and yeah. that the number of UK cases has increased to 36. And there's also apparently going to be a, a special program on tonight at 7.30 very exciting. Where? Very exciting. <laughs> when did this we, turn into a TV guy? <laughs> what, what's the well, program? I, I don't know. It said a panel of experts and BBC reporters will I be like answering your questions about out. the corona outbreak in a special program on BBC One. That's how ambiguous this is. There is a TV program on. I'm on BBC sure One, we got a channel. Oh, BBC One. Well, we BBC well One. no, I mean it's okay. it's one of those. I presume it's one of those ones where they answer questions from the public about what they think about it. So. Yeah. yeah, that is what a panel of experts does. Well, yeah, exactly. But when you Sorry, say we have no details yeah, on the show, so I'm just so saying that that's not the case. Did remember that you see Trump called it a Democrat hoax? Or, no. What? Well, that's a sort of maybe an unfair misquoting. But okay. he compared it, he gave a long it's list an of Democrat hoax. Yeah, exactly. And he said like, oh, first they had Russia, then they oh. had the impeachment thing. Now they have this um, coronavirus. I mean, there's not really even a link between those. I know. Because, like, two are political and one is, like... It was know. off the cuff, so it was obviously not a prepped. I mean, he's also been, like, pretty big down player of it, in, like, in recent days. Like, even when it comes to, like, the economy and stuff, which mm. we obviously made a video about. Yeah. Uh, it came out of the weekend. Um, but just the fact that he was blaming other factors, which, sure, you can't say, like, the whole downturn is based in- entirely on the coronavirus, but most economists are saying, like, it's yeah, yeah, probably. definitely the primary reason. Um but it's interesting that he's like decided to kind of downplay that and mm. whether that's economic or just generally. It's interesting that he knows that even though it's obviously not his fault, it will affect him politically. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like with the economic downturn, someone like Johnson's not going to say yeah. they're just taking on the chin. They'd be like, this is an event. I can't yeah. control this. And he's very aware that that large contingent of his voting base yeah. just votes for him because they think it'd be great with the economy. Yeah. And when he's, if he ends up <coughs> Even not, it's being, not his entirely. Well, you know. well, equally, you could say the same thing. A lot of his growth you could attribute to like underlying trends rather than think great. Yeah, he's yeah, done. exactly. So it's kind of like the swings and roundabouts of that. And we did actually discuss this, shouting out another video. Um, in the video we did on Trump's economy on the US channel, we discussed how. Um, That's not going in. That little click. That click is going camera. in. 100% <laughs> cut into it too. Um, um, on the US channel, we discussed the fact that often re-election campaigns are really focused around economy. And it's when you have poor economies that people don't yeah. get re-elected. Yeah. So if this was to be a longer running issue, it could become a problem for Trump. Who knows? He's such an unusual politician generally. Like all the other rules have been broken. Who knows with this one be- will be too. Interesting, the World Health Organization hasn't defined it as a pandemic. No, yet. not yet. Despite the fact that a definition of a pandemic is a large outbreak of a disease affecting the whole world, which arguably we are at or certainly getting close to. I think to. it has affected the whole world, yeah. Has a it? lot of the world. Yeah. I don't think it has to be like literally every country. It's not like okay, ticking enough. them off the list on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, allegedly from uh, what very speculation and stuff, the reasons they haven't done this is because as soon as it's labeled as a pandemic, that induces a lot of kind of like panic, uh, frightens Surely people. Surely there are like government reactions And well. apparently exactly. there's a big thing with stuff. insurance yeah. payouts as well. Ah, interesting. Because if it, some people have cover in their insurance that covers pandemics, although I was listening to LBC mm-hmm. and they were saying you've got to check that because in the last few years, apparently some insurance companies have been writing that off uh, and, and like not, oh, not okay. including that. So I think in, in if you class it as a pandemic, uh, I think it, it does something with the, um, ins- the insurance claims. So I think that's another interesting uh, interesting factor yeah. and also apparently the definition of pandemic uh, kind of historically suggests that it can't be contained any further yes and it is just going to continue spreading yeah um which obviously they're hoping isn't the case um with coronavirus at this point yeah another interesting concept not sure if you're familiar with as like the term or like the idea at all but the idea of flattening the curve which is like the main objective of the world health organization at the moment oh you mean as in like the curve of how many pretty much people 
So when you have this kind of outbreak, you normally see either like one of two things happening or kind of between the two. And it's either a big spike at the beginning that drops off pretty quickly because it's not being very well maintained. There's not much being put in the way of the virus's spread, but it drops off fairly quickly because it's reached maximum like infectiousness. Yeah, yeah. It's got all the people it can get in the area. Infectiousness is the medical term. It is the yeah. medical term. It's, I've heard all the doctors use it. <laughs> Or you have the other option, which is what flattening the curve is, which is where it never reaches the same peak because you're limiting it, but it lasts a lot longer because it's like being dragged out because it's being limited and like. Yeah, yeah. But the benefit of that, obviously, is that you have longer to develop kind of like cures. You got longer to like handle individual patients. You've not like got ten thousand people turning up all at once, mm. or maybe you still do, but like it's less extreme than if millions of people caught it in one day. So the idea is the World Health Organization are trying to limit it. They're trying to flatten the curve so that- It does look like the curve is flattening as well. Yeah, it does. There's a really good site for anyone who wants to see it. There's a John Hopkins have like an interactive like data site thing. Okay. Which has like all the data you could hope for and it's mm. constantly updated. Yeah, it's quite cool. Sounds pretty good. Interesting on the idea of flattening the curve though, uh, China is starting to open up some of their restrictions in the last few days and are gonna continue to obviously because they can't keep everything closed forever in like the affected areas and there's a certain amount of concern there could be a second wave after the first one because obviously yeah. people are start going back yeah. to transport to schools to <laughs> factories etc anything else from you ben on this topic um no not really i mean i saw a weird headline this morning which was um because you know they have those bbc news like live feeds where they have all the things yeah. you know posted as it was going through one of the things on there was just the headline was don't touch peter andre and I didn't understand at all what that was. <laughs> That's um, general good advice. advice good advice. Yeah. Coronavirus but or it, not? Don't but it touch was to, apparently it was to do with the it was to do with the coronavirus. And apparently management had said at one of his concerts not to touch him. And then yeah. he was hugging and like not take selfies was the point. Like don't go up to him and try and hug him and take selfies. I've got a photo of the notice that was put up at like his concert, whatever he's doing, I guess which is notice due to recent events of coronavirus please do not have any physical contract with peter andre please do not take any selfies with peter andre apologies mm. for any inconvenience thank you that sort of juxtaposition between peter andre and a pandemic is I so funny it's just that's it's a, it was a weird thing to happen yeah but also kind of semi-linked to that there was um there's a lot of talk about if this continues there's a big um risk that it would affect the uk like festival industry over over summer yeah so because we're getting close to there there's a lot of talk about especially glastonbury was the big one that they were talking about um and well, obviously a, a lot of people in a small mm. small area um yeah and that being affected or outside sanitary yeah yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of that talk about how that would affect and obviously the the it, you know the impact that that would have because the amount of revenue that brings in and everything else it's um yeah there's a, there's yeah, a lot it's a of big talk deal. about that yeah mm. all right should we do um should we do kiss Starmer? yes let's do kiss Starmer. or labor leadership more generally. labor leadership labor leadership kiss in the Patreon bonus section of this episode, we discussed Johnson's announcement of his engagement and upcoming baby. And I think we also annoy Ben a little bit. And on top of that, Zach tells a story that absolutely can't be broadcast. To hear the full Patreon-exclusive section of the podcast, be sure to sign up to our Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash TLDR news.
Okay, uh, so Labour obviously currently having their leadership contest. Uh, they're battling out to become the new leader. We've got three people still in the race. Uh, those are Keir Starmer, Rebecca Long-Bailey and Lisa Nandy. Um, we can go through some of the stats in a minute, um, but we've got a video out on this coming soon. Oh, so really? Promo. Yeah, we oh. do. Um, so if you want to learn more about each of the candidates individually, their history, what they stand for, um, that'd probably be the best place to go. Um, I mean, we'll probably talk about it here too, so do what you want. Uh, so, Labour's leadership battle. It's not much of a battle anymore. No, no. not really. Should we, do you want some stats? Should we drop yeah, right you know Go on, go on, Jack, do it. We'll... If you're looking at constituency party nominations... Um, which obviously was the process that's already happened. Not entirely representative, but Starmer got 58.4% of votes. Nandy got 11.3, Long Bailey 25.5. So it seems like he has a pretty decent lead. Uh, some polling suggests that it might not be quite so comfortable for him. We've discussed it before, but the Salvation polling from Labour List uh, suggests that Long Bailey has a two-point lead, 51-49. Salvation did do a new poll, though. They did. Not with Labour list members, okay. not specific. And they found it was something like 45% Starmer, 34% Bailey, and yeah. the rest um, Nandy. But obviously... Which fits with what I was saying. Yeah, Labor Lisa Nandy's second preference votes. Well, that's the thing. is The way that the Labour system works is if there's no leader in the first preference, last place is knocked out, and then they're reassigned second preference. Yeah. So it's a question of where do, let's be honest, Lisa Nandy's votes end up going because she's probably going to be knocked out in the first round. And they do go um, to Starmer. You know, politically more aligned than Nandy and Long Bailey are. So it makes sense. Still got a while to wait. I think, we can discuss this in a second, but I think it's slightly problematic how long this has been going on for. Yeah. Oh yeah, so boring. Yeah, it's, it's boring, just... but also just like holding people's attention and like making people care. I mean, not everyone needs to be invested in politics the same way we are. But the ballot still doesn't close for another month today, exactly. And also, it um, might and the results done. aren't for another month and two days. The fourth of April they come out. Yeah, because most people vote early. Most yes. of the Labour membership vote early. There's a chance that enough people have already voted for Starmer that, that it's he's a done it's, deal. It's, it's a done deal, and it is a done deal. I saw that. Um, I can't, one of them, like Betfred or Paddy Power, yes, have already started paying out. On yeah, their, they have. Yeah. Really? Yeah, on a bet for Keir Starmer. If you bet for Keir Starmer to be next Labour leader, wow! Check your out. account now. You could already be paid. Yeah, you do. Yeah. That's really confident. So, how do we feel about the process? Uh, what do we think about the res potential result? Ben, any any big thoughts? Yeah, well, I, would, I, I read an article in the Spectator, which was just about what a Keir Starmer leadership would look like, because obviously we talk yeah. a lot about the the leadership, you know election and the, the the candidates and and who's more likely to win but it's I, I think there's not been much talk about the candidates and what they would actually do as leader and the sure. I, I don't know if this was just quite a biased spectator piece or something but it was basically saying that he he doesn't seem to commit to anything really at the minute he seems to be there's got a lot of people from all over and um, the political like the the, the labor um, broad church membership um, working on his mm -hmm. campaign so he's it says like his supporters range from unashamed Blairites to um, uh, a momentum organiser uh, and a retired Corbyn cheerleader uh, the, the phrases that it uses so he's got like a lot of people from all over working on his campaign and he's saying that he's not yet committed himself to a faction within the Labour Party and they're saying that is that yeah. is that to try and like unite the party and is he going to come down when he becomes leader to being part of one of those factions or is he going to try and be that moderate and the thing to bear in mind i think is that you know i remember at the time of the the election last year we were talking about that that stat that was uh, if 
Johnson holds out till 2024, the only Labour leader to have won an election in the last 50 years will have been Tony Blair. Mm. That will have been the only person. Yeah. So there's then the discussion about is you know you trying to unite the party a good thing or has politics changed and do you need to commit yourself to one side it's quite um it's quite an interesting one i think i wouldn't wouldn't necessarily want to comment on the biasness of the article having not read it i don't no, want to judge a spectator on that yeah. i mean i think i probably can <laughs> but i'm not going to um but i think it's probably generally true i think he's definitely tried to appeal to a wide range of people he hasn't quite gone down the same narrow path some of the other candidates did and have um i think he certainly appeals to a wider group than some of the other candidates yeah, he's well, continued to defend baby. yeah he's continued to vent, defend a lot of corbyn's 2019 manifesto mm. while also talking about other priorities so i think he's got a balance of like he certainly is more centrist than someone like long bailey mm. or corbyn but i think he's certainly trying to appear more left than i think some people are kind of recognizing it'll be interesting to see how much of that is a show and how much of yes. it is genuine because so far he's done remarkably well it's sort of two things there's one is holding that coalition where yeah. kept enough corbynites obviously on side and then also trapped all the blairites with him as well yeah. and that's why he's winning by such a massive majority in all the mm. polls but also he's managed to get away with no not actually that many media appearances like he no. hasn't been out there doing big flash media appearances and it's the same thing with Johnson when he won. He wasn't out there doing media appearances and it seemed to work fine for him. He seemed yeah. to just basically, he knew he had a lead to begin with. You play as sort of soft a hand as possible and let the momentum take you. And, Which um, probably is a pretty decent strategy. Yeah, but people thought it wouldn't work for Johnson. You know what I mean? People yeah. thought you'd face some punishment like Theresa made it for not turning up to debates and stuff. Yeah. And it's the same. He hasn't not turned up to debates, but like, you know what I mean? He's not all over yeah, the front yeah. pages mm. and stuff like that. But I think his his uh, aspiration is to try and maintain that broad church. Yeah, so instead I would of agree. committing in the end to the Blairite fact, yeah, I think he's hoping that he can do the whole like you know we've got to be a new sort of n a new version of Labour that incorporates yes. both those sort of like hardcore momentum fans and the yeah. sort of like metropolitan elite which, university educated um, yeah which is something and i mean i know i've already spent about blair but if we go back a bit further which is something that i think harold wilson was quite famous for is trying to bring the party together and try and unite the, the different factions within the party and there is like a labor tradition there of of leaders trying to to keep this very oh. broad church party together um you know there are leaders that haven't done that and have tried to, to i think blair is actually the best example though because so blair in 1996 did want to form a coalition with the Lib Dems and had mm. he not got such a stonking great majority he was always he always had the dream of that sort of like the soft left coalition yeah. and how that could dominate British politics for years and then he got a massive majority and decided he didn't need didn't the need Lib Dems yeah. and then post Iraq he couldn't yeah, join yeah, up yeah. with the Lib Dems and I think that's interesting because he gave that speech but he refused to endorse any of the candidates because he knows that he's a bit toxic yeah yeah so no one really wants to be endorsed by Blair I mean fair yeah, yeah. um and he sort of had three points. And the first one was, I don't think he said it explicitly, but there has some sort of liberal Labour coalition has to happen yeah. if they want to win, which I think is an interesting point. And, we, and then yeah. he said two other things. One was about the cul-de-sac of identity politics. Yes, and how Labour can't well. go down that route. And what was the last one? The last one, oh, the last one was that Labour needs a new um, narrative given how li literally Labour is changing yeah. in the 21st century and it's how... True. There is no longer that correlation between laborers and yeah you know lefties and totally mm. frankly he's right about that because the conservatives have done quite a nice job of monopolizing the center right to right of British yes. politics whereas it does look like at the moment at least labor and lib dems are quite split like they, mm. they have split the center left vote in mm. the uk 
because the way first past the post works like, yeah you're just sort of dicking just each other that happens yeah. yeah how do we think he would do versus johnson in an election say Starmer. 2024 yeah that's quite how hell, speculative I... do you want to be jack that's like yeah. very <laughs> is very away. speculative i like starmer i think starmer beats johnson okay interesting yeah. i think i was reading something that was interesting that was saying the contrast in their personalities will be interesting yeah because you've got one yeah. who is all about rhetoric and hyperbole and everyone kind of appreciates that and knows that when you're hearing it from johnson and it's not even a really insult to say that it's just like that's his vibe whereas starmer is like a former lawyer very straight he's very details heavy as exactly well. so it'll be interesting especially in a post-brexit world mm. that if things haven't gone as johnson promised if things haven't gone as well as he hoped will someone who's more detail oriented more uh, like focused on what the reality of situations is will that appeal to people as like a yeah breath of fresh air from johnson trump all those kind of characters it is interesting how the main parties have sort of like rebalanced do you know what i mean like we had labor had their corbyn phase yeah and now chances are we're gonna go you know starmer's quite a bog standard like 2005 yeah. sort of politician and he might uh, so the, the odds on favorite for his shadow chancellor ed miliband and yeah. Matt cooper i yeah. saw that you know, we, yeah. we're gonna go literally back to ed yeah, miliband yeah, yeah. and the same thing with johnson like the conservative party went through like a slightly weird phase where Jacob Rees-Mogg and Marc yeah. Francois and sort of Nigel in a way yeah. were the big face of the Conservative Party and it looks like it was going to be crushed by the Brexit Party and it was swaying a little bit further right than most people thought it yeah. should be you know flirting with the no deal Brexit and now look we have Johnson the same bloke as you know 10 years ago yeah. leaning it up we've got Johnson and Miliband no it's true it's interesting it'll be yeah as you say Ben it's crazy to speculate quite that far ahead <laughs> yes but it's, no, it's interesting to look at as like because yeah. that is their biggest challenge is if they then don't win in 2024 one will Starmer ever do anything really like besides yeah. lead the shadow government but it'll be interesting because 2029 let's say I mean who knows Miles because away, like yeah. there have been like 24 elections in the last 10 minutes so yeah, uh, who knows if we'll be actually talking that far away but say we're talking that far away you're probably thinking another leader by that point so it's interesting mm. how much impact Starmer will actually have on the whole thing and as I've, as I've said before and I'll keep saying it's it's the which direction is the Labour Party going in from now is going to be the really interesting thing is it is it going to try and what used to be called modernising and bringing it back to the centre ground is it is it going to become more ideological that's that's the thing that I think is going to be so interesting to look at over the next few years and see like the direction of where the Labour Party is going because you know 10 20 years ago you would have thought that's the direct that's what's gonna that is the Labour Party now is that they what was called modernizing um and going to the center ground and then that was undone and are we going to go back to that are we going to stay ideological like it's quite an interesting thing to, yeah. to see happen certainly an interesting thing to look at over the next few years see where Labour goes I do think that um well, my best prediction for it, I think there'll be a couple of like token Corbynite policies. Yeah, there'll be stuff like you know trying big corporation tax, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think mm -hmm. the rest of it will sort of sway back to. Well, he's already committed to keeping the um, abolition of tuition fees, and he wants to um, have a program of mass mass nationalisation, um, and he wants something called the Prevention of Military in uh, Intervention Act to end illegal wars, which I presume is to try and get rid of that like Blair legacy of of Iraq. Um, so he's yeah. already he's already committed to certain like Corbyn policy, like you know abolishing tuition fees and you know yeah. But I think those are policies. they are Corbyn policies, but they are also notably policies that poll well. Yeah, like l rail nationalisation famously polls well even with conservative voters, and mm. 
tuition fees as we've done on you know one of our very good videos um i like looking to the camera <laughs> did you write that yeah. one zach by I'm any chance sure they'll like it too i i did write that I one thought thought you right. um but it's it's about... a very good one who else could have written <laughs> thank it thank you very much Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. yeah sassy no no i'm joking <laughs> let's hope none of our writers watch this <laughs> i'm entirely joking uh, <laughs> i looked at the camera too, yeah, at the yeah. camera um i think that's what we'll see we'll, we'll return to sort of a bit more he'll ha- he'll be far more sensitive to popular public opinion yeah. as opposed to the opinions of the selectorate that is the labor membership sure. compared to corbyn but to be fair as ben says he's definitely defended quite a lot of 2019 policies he's said just quoting from our own video here that labor shouldn't lose sight of its core values and shouldn't retreat from the radicalism of the last few years but you know so, what i mean that's yeah that's like it's Blair a broad statement. that's yeah, like totally. radicalism but we're you know true, we're so true. radical in how centrist we are yeah yeah um but uh the only thing i was going to say is that he i think the the one thing that might really sway him to the center is the fact that i do think that the corbynite wing they will react badly if he sort of betrays them if he i see you know, it doesn't yeah. go through with the the sort of maintaining the corbynite radicalism that mm-hmm. he's just yeah. said he would um and i think we saw this in you see that rebecca long bailey has started slightly they're normally quite cordial towards yeah. each other and she's pretty civil it Germany. has been very civil, but she has upped the ante and she's started sort of implying that he is funded by dark money interests and big donors. And she's published her, I think this is worth clearing out because she published all her donations above one and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, and Starmer hasn't done it immediately, but the proper parliamentary procedure is that you publish them in what's called the parliamentary interest list. Yeah. And that comes out on Monday. But, you know, there is that tension building and that Rebecca Long Bailey and co even if they lose, are still going to be a little bit catty about it. But I think you can see that in like the growth of like momentum and just the yeah. general left, or certainly the how visible they are. It wouldn't be surprising if that doesn't go no, away. Of course. It would be more exactly. surprising that's, if it did go. That's away. why it's sort of trivial. I just um, think we've seen a little bit of it already. That's all. Let's talk about Heathrow. I feel like Zach, this is going to be one of your like niches that you've just like read every like briefing paper and everything yeah on. 100% is I actually haven't I haven't read any of the briefing papers he's a big old Heathrow boy yeah <laughs> I can imagine what do you think my Wait, opinion you on pro, is you pro third actually we'll leave this right we'll do this in the thing no no. we can keep this and this could be the start this is frankly. the start yeah. this is the start me accusing Zach of being a big Heathrow boy it's because I have the whole begins. big HS2 thing I love HS2 you I think just Heathrow love is... infrastructure and transport I do and I should really transport new channel frankly I should do more research on Heathrow but I'm not that intrigued about mainly because of the environment mental arguments and it's, so you're anti i'm sort of anti it but okay. only sort of broad stroke i would agree anyway so the news from heathrow is last week the court of appeal blocked the um, moves for a third runway on the basis of climate noise and air pollution uh saying in the light of the paris climate agreement uh they hadn't taken into account enough of the impacts along those lines um the government has already said they're not going to appeal the decision um but ultimately it's a private issue anyway because it's an issue between the owners of heathrow um and the courts so just because the government says they're not going to press it any further doesn't mean this is the end of the whole situation it's been something that's been in the works for like honestly like 30 40 years at this point there's been talk of expanding Mm. further and to be fair when you compare it to other major airports in the world two runways is nothing especially Mm. when you're like talking about big hub airports especially for an island nation it's like it is pretty crazy that we're doing it with two at the moment i should figure i should do some more reading on this it sounds interesting Mm. are you interested by my you've actually you've piqued my interest look at that there's a major economic argument for it that is the fact that we're only using two and also arguably i think he throws like one of the world's busiest airports when you like work out by runways the number of flights taking off per runway so it's like 
we're already doing a load of pollution way more than some other people are even though we've got less airport even less runways sorry so i mean obviously if you had another runway yeah, it's not yeah, like you're just spreading it out you're obviously going to increase someone who is overly passionate about the issue is boris johnson he is there who we go. for a long time since his old mayor <laughs> days has been very against um heathrow possibly because also his constituency is yeah, like very absolutely. nearby <laughs> i think that probably helps um famously he said that he'd lie in front of the bulldozers if they started building the third runway and during the general election he stepped that back a bit uh, saying you probably find another way of solving the issue which <laughs> i think is quite funny as if anyone believed he was actually gonna lie in front of the <laughs> originally um what a sight that would be though it would be really uh, i mean i'm sort of mumbling his way straight out in front of them but it's interesting as well how this is kind of the best news for johnson possible i think it like yeah, ties absolutely. together because he's been a long-term opponent so going back on that is obviously problematic but building another runway fits with his economic and brexit agenda fairly well um so it's kind of like the clash of those two things mm. this is a nice excuse he can blame the courts on the fact that it's been stopped for the yeah. people who want the expansion and he can be a hero for the people who don't want the expansion and if they even if they did uh, appeal at that point it's a private issue the government aren't doing it so mm. he can say it's between the private company and the courts it's nothing to do with me and then even if it does go through and people blame him it was the may government that started all this anyway yeah, so exactly. he can say it started before so kind of no matter how this goes from here he's one out of this also he still gets to be the big infrastructure guy because yeah. he has hs2 i feel like hs2 it was i think like it was a one of the two sort of thing you yeah know they're I mean? both controversial big, both big controversial infrastructure products he's, he's picked one he's already the big infrastructure guy yeah you know? and his bridge and his bridge which and is his not bridge. gonna happen but his bridge good video day yeah i know well done jack thanks nice. did that all by myself <laughs> well done thanks <laughs> i'm always quite <laughs> proud of myself sometimes i think at the end of videos you know we have like the credits yeah the way you can tell if i've done all of it is because there isn't a credit section because i never put it in because otherwise it's like written by yes, jack kelly yeah. voiced by jack <laughs> kelly animated by jack kelly jack kelly is like, amazing <laughs> yeah I, I can't do that so if you ever don't see a credit section at the end it's because i did it all that's yeah. me taking credit for it retroactively. Well done. You're welcome. The government wasn't going to challenge the court case, but Heathrow mm. itself was. So I think that this okay. isn't this isn't completely over yet. I think they're going to uh, appeal no. the ruling. Um, as I said, the, the government have already said that they're not going to, though. But I was reading quite a lot this morning about it and, and climate um, activists saying that this is like a, a precedent that climate law can actually like influence and, and can um, mm. Be, uh, impact domestic politics. So I think that was one of the yeah. big like outcomes of this was it was as you said it was ruled out on the basis that the climate um the paris climate accords weren't weren't taking into account when making the decision so it, it's kind and i of, think this could, yeah this could be wrong but i think it's the first time the paris climate accords have ever really come to any major like any sparked yeah. any major change maybe it shaped government policy in some countries but it's one of the first times where it's been cited as the reason why something is being blocked mm. so interesting that it is clearly making a interesting genuine if impact. It's, yeah if it's used in the future and yeah. more We'll find out how restrictive those sort of like airy fairy government mm. targets. You know when they say stuff like "we're going net zero by yeah, twenty fifty, or yeah. they also have the thing about the cars. We've seen that they're getting yes. rid of all yeah. diesel cars D and petrol. It will only yeah, be electric, exactly. Or only maybe electric cars by twenty thirty five. Yeah, it? which is pretty soon. Which is quite soon. And I think, assuming these now carry, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know the legal yeah. legalities behind it. But if these start carrying legal ways, mm. they will put restrictions on what the government can and can't yeah. do. It's which makes sense logically. You can't sincerely in good faith commit to 
net zero by 2050 yeah. and then also plow ahead with all your expensive car and polluting to stuff. be fair transport minister commented when he was commenting on it saying that the government weren't gonna continue and they weren't going to repeal one of his points was that it doesn't really fit and they didn't really consider the 2050 targets yeah exactly. in the original proposal so they clearly are at least trying to make it look like they care about it i don't want to comment mm. on like whether they genuinely do um but it clearly is part of their thinking in this the reason why the target is 2050 rather than 2022 or something is because it's going to take yeah. a long time boris johnson probably won't be prime minister also that you never know though unlike oh well, yeah anti-aging um, techniques have come a long who knows? way yeah can yeah. you imagine that's a long time to be prime minister but yeah no even still it's like you've got to start facing this in now and doing something that's completely counter to the main objective of the plan is like you can't be doing that especially because he's made the plan to like <laughs> give the target and then like two months later like give this the go ahead would be a little insane um mm. but even still like i'm slightly surprised that it was blocked yeah so am i it doesn't feel i think we're all surprised because it's a new precedent that no one really saw coming yeah and we still feel like for lack of a better term, like the establishment, you know, the courts, the the government treats yeah. environmental targets as just sort of like flimsy things sure. you can throw out and sound good about, but you don't have to follow through with. And it's interesting to see that maybe they actually do now have to follow through with them. I mean, that'd be great, wouldn't it? So, yeah, actually yeah. follow targets. Yeah, and not just put bullshit on posters and go <laughs> with it. It's, it's, it's interesting as you say, because like nearly always economy takes precedence over yeah, environmental exactly. issues. And as I say, there is a genuine economic case to be made for it. And when I say that I'm like broadly in favor of it being blocked, that is because there is the genuine case. I can see the other side of the argument. So it's interesting that that's being ignored in favor of the environmental case. But was, as you say, I, was, I, I didn't think about this until we were just talking about that. But um, it is, you were saying that it is in sort of in line with this whole sort of infrastructure mm. post Brexit thing. But notably, it is very much a southern thing. Yes. Isn't yeah. it? It's a sort of West London southern yeah. thing. Like, um, so I suppose it's you know HS2 makes more sense. Yeah, you've got to yeah. pick one of the two. We're going to see I, some I did, airport up north get yeah. like fifteen new runways <laughs> next week. <laughs> it's just so I just remembered this. I was reading I was reading around the, the Heathrow thing this morning. I think I stumbled across their defense of it or something. The the, the Heathrow's defense of what, um, them trying to build the third runner and everything and building their case on it. And I remember them saying something okay. along the lines of like you know the compulsory purchase orders. So. They have to. Yeah. They, they apparently they, they were planning to take out an entire village, so it's just an entire village would just be bought. Um, and they were saying Great. that they'd they'd offer full market value plus twenty five percent and all this. And they were saying that we're going to buy, buy the village, but I just and they had to reroute the M twenty five. So apparently, where they want yeah. to build it, the M twenty five was going through. So uh, just for people who don't know, the M twenty five is the motorway that runs around London in like a circle. Mm -hmm. um, and they were saying that they'd have to build a tunnel that will go under the runway for the M twenty five. Um, and yeah. the, the amount like the amount of stuff that they'd have to like you know uh, buying a village um building an, a tunnel for the m25 <laughs> to go through then there's all of the the um the the displacement of, of animals and everything that they have to take into account like there's a lot of stuff to consider here it's it's kind of weird like uh, not in a bad way just a, it's a weird thing to think about that it's all of that's been stopped on climate grounds it's weird that that's, yeah. that's how this is this has come about. It's just so really, as you were saying about it being unexpected. It just that's why it's so unexpected to me is that they've put there's all this this work that's gone into it, and then it's it's climate stopped. And as I say, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just unexpected. That was Heathrow. That was Heathrow. That was Heathrow. There's not much to say about Heathrow. Quite Maybe, a nice airport. It's quite nice that it's happened now. What's your well. favourite UK airport? I, I well, London City is obviously okay. I've never been. Oh, it's just ridiculous. We talking about? Were you here when we talking about this <coughs> the other day? <coughs> no. But I kind of object to London City, like on 
obvious grounds <laughs> oh. to justify like it's obviously bad um it's like the root of all evil um, <laughs> what's your main objection in london today? just like it's so impractical it's so like a business like yeah. it's just for convenience like we plonk an airport it's like in the middle so of. unnecessary but i mean that's why i've never flown from it but like, even when it's been an option i'd be like nah, it is nah. becoming less and less necessary we can plonk this in the end of heathrow as well this airport chat yeah given that how like good the links are like you can just pick a diddy line to heathrow i love it you yeah can, true and like now you know even if you are a businessman it's, yeah Central London is probably as to you, I mean, depending on where you are, obviously. But it's not hard to get the Heathrow no. at all. Well, I mean, the Heathrow Express is so convenient. Yeah, and Gatwick so Express, purple. and you've got the Stansted Express. You've got all so many stuff. expresses. So many expresses. Stansted is probably one of the worst. Airports. I hate Stansted. Stansted and Luton. Luton. Luton's King. worse. Oh, God. Luton Both is. garbage. I'd really like Gatwick to join in mind. this conversation, Gatwick's but like I really can't. Airport. <laughs> Sorry. Go yeah. on, tell us about what uh, East Midlands Parkway. No, East, that's the train station. No, that's the yeah East Midlands Airport. East Midlands, yeah. whatever it's called. It was good. It's good. Well, it's airport. tiny. It's got. I I fl- I flew in there once, and there was a there's a cafe that did bottomless tea, and I didn't realise I bought a bottomless tea, and um, I had about seven cups world. before going for basically two pounds. And were I was you just gonna wear the spoons or something? No, no, it's like a real fancy place. It was nice. Oh wow. Yeah, you quite like buzzed up on caffeine then. Seven cups yeah. of tea, like. Before well, I had exa- I I flew like a week before exams, so I was I, I the flight was at nine, so I was there at about six, and um I got loads. Of, I did like two hours work b- uh, before like eight a.m. before yeah. I even got on the plane. It was amazing. Productive. Nice. That is good, I suppose. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and that was your weekly airport chat. <laughs> Tune in next week <laughs> for more. In the last week. Um, Philip Rutnam is the chief civil servant, uh, chief civil servant for the Home Office, mm-hmm. resigned, um, and not just resigned. He's also making a claim against the government for constructive dismissal, uh, and he put out a pretty explosive statement. Do you see the statement? Yeah. Oh, it was big. It was big. It was really explosive. It was. Poof, it was as explosive as chief civil servant statements get. Yeah, I mean, um, low bar. Yeah, and he was saying, I think the implication was that actually. Um, Pretty Patel knew about the briefings that were going on against him. Yeah. So there had been sort of reports and briefings and papers and political journals about how civil servants, especially those in the Home Office, were being unhelpful and sort of there was tension between them and the government. Yeah. Um, Philip Rutnam seems to suggest that he thought Pretty Patel, who's obviously Home Secretary, yeah, knew about these briefings, um, and he resigned on those grounds he's essentially implying that there's some sort of like orchestrated government conspiracy against him mm-hmm. and other um civil servants which is sort of true there has infamously recently came did you hear about this the the shit list no so the government has a list of i think it must be leaked a list of three top civil servants that they really don't like <laughs> philip Rutland was one of them yeah so they had three people that they want to get rid of one of them has obviously gone mm-hmm. and it is pretty big news because um, you can't just get rid of civil servants just for people no. aren't aware. To, yeah, like, exactly. They can't be just got rid of. So the fact that he's kind of been pushed out is controversial in itself. You can move them around from department to sure. department. So that's what probably would have happened. What would have happened is at the end of their tenure or whatever they yeah. have, whatever the cycle is, you would just move them to mm-hmm. some other less important department. Yeah. Um, and he also, when he resigned, Philip Butler also made claims of bullying against Pretty Patel. So there were two things there. One, yeah. he said that uh, essentially the government was all taking attack against him mm-hmm. and to that Pretty Patel was a bully towards other civil servants yeah. in the Home Office. Both controversial. Yeah, both big, you know, mm. both pretty controversial yeah. claims. Um, I think the bullying thing, you can't really say much about it because there's just not enough evidence for no. either side. 
and uh, you know to, to pick Always a side not aware of it yeah pick a side feels like a sort of um, a personal attack on yeah, someone yeah um but the, the sort of briefings against him point interesting that he's taken such a drastic step because there has been tension between like the civil servants mm-hmm. and um well the government and dominic cummings and yeah. co for like ages yeah um but something must have really stepped it up for him to quit. Yeah, definitely. That was, that's what's been a given. That's what's been in the news, like, nonstop. There's just been, since about Brexit day one, there's <laughs> sort of been, like, civil servants in the Treasury are putting out doomsday Brexit forecasts. And, yeah. like, you know, there's been that sort of whinging nonstop. And something must have kicked up a notch. Yeah, yeah something's changed. Yeah, something's and changed. And we don't know what it is what entirely. It so, and we might do, well, with this claim going ahead we might we're likely out. to well whether we will find out i mm. guess is a question mm. but it's certainly being investigated yeah and it could potentially impact Preeti patel's position too depending on what the revelations are the unfortunate thing for Preeti patel is that with the whole reshuffle she has actually lost a lot of her spads okay, so yeah she at the moment is special advisors special advisors yeah is pretty isolated in the home office mm-hmm. um especially post johnson reshuffle so she lost her special advisors in that and now she has the unfortunate position of being in the home office without many mates yeah yeah, yeah. so you know there you go difficult position yeah, yeah it's a difficult position um, unless she's a bully unless she's a bully <laughs> in which case you deserve it pretty <laughs> we're not commenting <laughs> um yeah there's only one more thing i would say is that there's constant conflation in the media god i sound like one of those like <laughs> a breitbart commentator but there is a real conflation in the media where Lots of people are saying, essentially, that he was rubbish anyway, so it's fine that he went. Because he was presiding over the Home Office for the whole Windrush scandal. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Amber Rudd lost her job for that. Yeah. Because we were deporting people. But most people think that, obviously, it wasn't Amber Rudd's fault, personally. Like, it was the, the fault of the Home Office at large. Yeah. And he is the person in control of the Home Office, realistically. You know, Amber sure. Rudd is essentially just a government minister who comes to fill in for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, he knows the ins and outs better than she does and he should have been aware of this but that that he was crap then mm. doesn't somehow um, justify what's happened now yeah. essentially you know like uh, that perhaps he should have been sacked back when Amber Rubb was sacked yeah. doesn't mean that Pretty Patel isn't a bully or that there aren't also attacks against civil servants going on um and that's the only minor issue I have about the way this has been reported, which is sort of like, who cares? He should have gone anyway. Yeah. It's like, well, mm. if it was just that he was crap and he's gone now, then perhaps we wouldn't care. But yeah. he's gone for very specific reasons and they're unrelated to the Windrush scandal. Totally. So that's my only qualm about it. It'll be interesting how it develops, really. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all, how it all kicks off. Um, it'll be interesting how that whole civil service government relationship develops Yeah, it's certainly generally. very tense at the moment. Yeah. It couldn't get a lot worse, I don't think. So it'll be interesting, definitely, especially with some of the reshuffles and changes that Cummings wants to make. Yeah. If any of those come to bear, it'll be very interesting to see how the civil service reacts generally. Do you want to just do a little... Oh, okay, quick. I'll go for super quick. Quick fire. Quick round. Quick fire. I'm sorry, guys. No. Super quick round. It'll be two seconds. Um, my the thing at the moment is that obviously there's this tension between what the UK wants and the EU wants. I think most of it comes down to essentially regulations and that the EU wants level playing field. You really are going quick. Yeah, really are. <laughs> okay, going to get it all completely out of the way. EU wants level playing field and the UK what's called non-regression, which means we're not going to go back from what we've currently got. But if you go up, we're not going to come up with you. Yeah. Okay. So at the moment, that's one of the big tension points. There's a whole load of other stuff. Um, yeah. You would have seen at the moment, there was an article in the Telegraph about how the UK, Boris Johnson stopped the Department for Health mm-hmm. um, from 
committing to staying with the EU's pandemic protocol. Okay. So the EU has a pandemic protocol where they all cooperate with each other and it's called like an early warning system or something mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, Matt Hancock obviously said we should be getting involved, staying with this. Look at no, the coronavirus. Yeah. Like this makes sense. Right now it seems like an yeah. appropriate time. And Johnson thought that it, or whoever it is in the government yeah. thought that this would be giving too much leverage to the EU. Wow. So they said, no, we're not going to commit to staying with this. Potentially staying out of like a mutual pandemic response, which would save lives. Yeah just so that we can make sure we have enough Brexit leverage to get the, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that's mad, maybe that's not mad. That's what the government's chosen to do. I think it's a bit controversial. Yeah. But more generally, there is this massive disconnect between what these the, the two sides want. And I think confusion is actually easily explained because I think that essentially the EU's thinking is we, ha- we are the bigger party. Yeah. We can do this. UK's thinking is you guys have got elections a lot sooner than we do. Sure. So we're also going to play hardball. Yeah. Um, and I think the UK is right, actually. I think the UK wins that one because, you know, like Macron has an election coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah. Like, and in Germany, too. Exactly. And we, Boris Johnson has four years. If we crash out on a no deal, Boris Johnson has four years to clean it up. The rest of the EU does not have that time sure. or that political luxury. That's getting cut out. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to... Okay, to, I'll decide. I'll decide, I'm happy to I'll decide in post. Anyway. Um, if you want to deal out of this, uh, you, you actually... What do you say? Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a deal to come out of this almost paradoxically you should want them to have the shit fuck of all arguments straight off the mark yeah because once there's no way of reconciling these two things mm. at the moment there's no way of reconciling the sort of like massive divergence Canada style thing that yeah. the UK wants and the sort of Norway-ish mm-hmm. we're going to be mates that the EU wants and we're going to ECJ you yeah. and shit like that so if you want a deal to come out of this you want to find some common ground you want them to get that out of your, their systems like immediately because otherwise I, this is looking, we don't have time for it yeah yeah, it looks more and more likely at the moment we're heading straight for a no deal yeah um, because both sides think the other will chicken out first for different reasons anyway let's move on that was my little round well they've even it. said I mean it's worth talking about the fact that the UK is allegedly willing to walk away from negotiations oh, yeah, exactly. in summer yeah. and their current uh, statement basically is that if they don't have like everything kind of sorted by june and it's not possible that will all get signed off by september then they're willing to decide if the uk would be best spending its time uh it's such a sassy letter i know best <laughs> spending so its camp. time like handling with domestic, domestic issues. things yeah mm. so to like make sure we're ready for a no deal rather than trying to get a deal who knows whether that actually sticks to that is that just a point in the negotiating documents is it a genuine threat uh it's kind of hard to tell at this point but it's interesting that the uk is even toying with the idea of giving up on negotiations which is something that was hard to see the may government doing yeah. i thought we told we should have talked about this this is definitely worth talking about you enjoyed this yeah i just think it's mad that we're actually going to end up like everyone said brexit is done we could it's we could so likely we're going to get yeah. a new yeah. deal now it's completely nuts and also there's no gonna there's gonna be no parliamentary recourse like they can't no. cancel article 50 this time around no, you're just gonna have happened. to yeah you, you jump off the cliff yeah bang 31st of december yeah wild so i think i and also we we did a video on this um and they didn't think it got enough traction like people really should be more aware of how real the threat is of no deal and how we need a video with like no deal in the title to get people's attention yeah we'll, we'll just, do that soon. we should do that and then just link it to our old video we yeah it's just the, the, whatever it's called why no deal could still happen yeah <laughs> no why no i love deal that zach's talking about the content that's of this good. video and you're that's stressing good. about the title jack i love that that's, that's how the, this works the title is, is this is the relationship the title <laughs> is the most important thing if people don't click on it there's no point in us making a good video why no deal is more likely than ever we're just gonna that's re- good that's rehash good. the trap, short trap words ones. too i like yeah. that uh okay cool that's coming out soon then nice 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Too Long Didn't Read. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get updates when they're released every week. You can also find the video version of the podcast over on the YouTube channel. That's TLDR Podcasts. 